Let's do it. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? Of course, that is area code 225, and that'll get you right straight to us. Got all our lines wide open and ready to roll. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call. Oh, yeah, it is, because unfortunately, you wait towards the end of the show, we're going to run out of time, and then we won't be able to get your question answered. Or, or at the very least, we've got to kind of give you a rushed answer. Exactly. And I don't like that. <laughs> Yeah, just in case you don't get a chance to call in, just don't care to call in, something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered on our website. The address is www.agcoauto.com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. That's right. That'll get you to our site. There's a contact bar on every page. Just fill out the form on the site, send it to Lewis, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. That's right. Just pop on there. Make sure to put the right return address in there because when you send something from a website, it's a little bit different than when you send something, say, through Outlook Express or Windows Live or something like that. Uh It doesn't automatically put your email address in there. You have to type it in, and whatever you type in is what it's going to reply to Right. because it doesn't keep track of any of that. So when you type that in, if you type the character wrong, then it's going to just pop back to me unknown at this address. I get... I'd say two or three a week of those back. And I know the folks don't get an answer, but it's just nothing I can do. Sometimes I'll look at them and try to see if, if I can figure it out. Sometimes they'll put, like, at att.com instead of att.net. Right. And that's pretty easy, so I'll just change it. But most time, there's just a bunch of characters and letters. just really no way to know what is wrong, so they just don't get an answer. But I never, ever ignore an email. So if you hadn't got an answer back from me within 24 hours, something's wrong, just go ahead and send it again. Right, just make sure everything's correct. Yeah, look at the return address good and make sure, too, that you're sending it to a return address. Sometimes if you send it from a business, some of those have filters of sorts. Right. And it may even filter it out because it sees it as, I don't know, spam or as a virus or whatever. Right. So if you hadn't gotten one, something's wrong, just try it again. Be sure to get you one back. While you're on there, you might want to pop around, see what you think. There's detailed topics, in my opinion, is where the real wealth of the information's at. Put one on there this morning. It's the second half of the one we started last week, and right. it's on engine overheating. And it goes into depth, not only when is an engine overheated, what does overheating mean, but what happens inside of an engine when it overheats. A lot goes on. It really, really think. does. Yeah, way, way more than you might imagine because there are all these dissimilar metals, and all these metals expand at different rates. Right. Particularly, aluminum is a... It's a highly expanding metal. It's going to expand about six times faster than iron or steel does. So you've got a cast iron cylinder block. You've got steel cylinder head bolts, and you've got aluminum cylinder head. Now, they're all designed to operate a certain temperature between 200 and 235 degrees. And when you start to get above that, say you get to 260, 280, well, that head's going to expand a whole lot more than that cast iron block or those steel bolts are. So something's got to give right and what happens is that the expanding head can't stretch those bolts so it's going to push down and crush that head gasket now once the head gasket is crushed it's ruined it's going to blow out when the compression of the cylinder hits it but other things happen like for instance the pistons can actually start to expand in the cylinders Mm -hmm. and between that piston skirt and that cylinder wall is a tiny gap about two thousandths of an inch where the oil rides right and the piston is actually riding up and down on a film of oil, which means there's almost no wear. 
However, when the piston expands and the cylinder expands, that's closed up, so there's nowhere for the oil to fit. Now the piston is rubbing re- directly against that cylinder wall. Right, and then you got a problem. Well, it'll gall up a set of pistons and jam a set of rings. Now you've bought an engine. Yep. And it's, it's just lots and lots of little things like that you may not think about. For instance, an overhead cam engine, when the head warps, the cam runs through that head. And it's depending on a perfectly flat head for the cams to all run in line, cam journals to run in line. When the head warps, now the cam's in a bind. It can actually end up jumping time. Some of them have right. have sprockets on those cams with a timing chain that they're not really splined on. They're just bolted on. And if it gets severe long enough, it could actually break the cam in half. It can break the cam. It can burn up. It can throw the engine out of time. I know we had a Mazda a while back. A young lady had it, and it had overheated on her. And now it just wouldn't hardly run. And we tested it and did not have a blown head gasket, believe it or not. But it just wouldn't hardly run. Uh-huh. And come to find out, the sprocket on the crankshaft had actually slipped. And the engine was now out of time. Right. So we had to pull the timing cover and all off, put it back in time, tighten everything back up. And luckily, the car ran okay after that. But a little bit more, and the valves could hit the pistons, and it had been a new engine be got. So. Oh, yeah. And then you still got the original problem. Why did it overheat? Well, that's right. So one of those things you might want to read about the best policy with overheating is to prevent it correct and if the car starts to overheat i can absolutely assure you that a wrecker and even a wrecker in a rental car is going to be much 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 cheaper than what's going to happen to your car if you you drive it most definitely so when when you see that gauge coming up when it gets about halfway and starts to go a little more there's nothing as important as just pulling over and turning that thing off let it cool back down that's right and a lot of your vehicles don't really have a gauge anymore they got a light right and that light comes on it's it's, hot yeah by the time the light comes on it's almost too late it's really really hot and that means stop now that's why the light's red (laughs) (laughs) we had a lady in fact got we're putting a new motor in her truck i think he just about finished it up friday he'll finish up monday morning and what she noticed was that a light was coming on and says after i drive about five miles this light comes on and it starts to miss. Uh-huh. Well, what it was, the light was the check engine light saying the engine was overheated, but she wasn't watching her gauge. The gauge was pegged all the way over. Right. Because she had a fairly minor problem, which was a leaking hose under the intake. A couple of hundred dollars could have probably fixed that. But by driving it around for a couple of weeks, actually ended up destroying the engine. Right. Now you're in an engine and the labor to put it in. And- right. So Yeah, you're out a yeah, lot now. For a- there's really not a whole lot of things that will kill an engine. Maybe running out of oil. Yeah, that would do it. Probably about as fast, but running out of oil or running low on coolant or overheating that engine. Overheating it, yeah. Wow, just just catastrophic <laughs> failure. So something you might want to read while you're in there. And also, like I said, if you've got a specific question about a specific topic and you don't want really any more information than that, then you go to the vehicle questions, and that's right. going to be a direct to-the-point answer to a question. And there's well over a 1,000 of those in there, so chances are you may find what you're looking for right there. Right, and there's also a glossary in there. There's a of glossary of automotive terms. Terms that will is extremely helpful if you're talking to someone who knows these terms and you don't. That's right. Boy, you can go there and you can pick that term up. Right. And then you'll know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. For instance, someone says my TPS. Okay, well, what's what a TPS? TPS? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can look it up in the glossary, and it's going to tell you all the terms that are used on the site are defined in there. And That's... if somebody throws a term at you that you're not – Really sure what it means. Send it to me. Send me an email, and I'll add it to the glossary for you. Sure. That guy about a week ago sent me one. Uh, what is a, a solenoid? Uh-huh. Because someone was telling him about a solenoid was bad. So I put a little article in there on solenoids with a picture of what it is. And basically, a solenoid is kind of like the muscles in your body to the car. Okay. The solenoid is what the computer controls things through. It's an electromagnetic device 
of sorts, and the magnet pulls or moves things. So it takes an electrical signal and moves it into a physical motion. Mechanical. Mechanical motion. type thing. Boy, there are thousands of them oh, on cars yeah. now. They do everything from control valves in a transmission to open and close doors under the dash, to working the door locks on your car. Right, I mean, all kind of stuff. Basically, thousands of solenoids. And what's not a solenoid is an actuator, which is similar. An actuator, you have actually a little stepper motor that draws Turns. it rather than an electromagnet. But both of them do basically the same thing. Right, just depending but, on the application. That's right. So tons and tons of those things. Pop on air, see what you think. It's www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. We're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Plan to motor west. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for listening. There you go. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, I saw something go out on the interstate. just kind of took my breath away. I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, you give, us, give us a call. It's part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. Go ahead and give us a call at air code 225. Be glad to try to answer any questions you might have. I received an email this morning early, and I thought it was kind of worth talking about a little bit. Guy wrote, he said that he had taken his Toyota to a couple of Toyota dealers. One advised that he should service the transmission at 80,000 miles and another said no don't do it until 100 uh-huh. and he wouldn't know which was right and what my opinion was and like i told him it just kind of depends a lot there is there's really not a right answer okay. or a wrong answer there's just results based on the methods you use okay now if you're going to keep the car about 100,000 miles and then you're going to trade it off sell it get rid of it or if you just feel real lucky just right. don't do anything don't, at all. Uh, yeah, you're just, better just, off just doing keep, nothing at keep all. Keep on driving. Now, the reason you do maintenance is because it increases your odds of not having a problem. A major problem. Yeah, a major problem. It's something you spend a little bit on that prevents you from having to do something that costs a whole lot. Sort of like going to the dentist. My dentist advises that I come in every six months and have my teeth cleaned. Uh-huh. Well, if I don't ever do that, it doesn't mean all my teeth are going to fall out tomorrow. It just means my odds of developing gum disease and having a much, much more expensive procedure necessary or losing my teeth are right. much higher. Right. But again, you have to understand the way odds work. I know folks who will say, well, I never had mine service. I never had any trouble. Okay, well, that's great. I know a guy who never graduated from high school. He's got a good job. Uh-huh. But I wouldn't advise my children that way. Right. I'd say get the best education you can because your odds of getting a better job are better. Doesn't mean every single person will. 
just like every single person who services a transmission doesn't mean they will never have a problem, nor does it mean if you don't do it, you will have a problem. It just increases or stacks the odds in your favor. Right. And like I told him, I said, I would actually, if it were my car, I would service it about 50,000 miles. So, well, Toyota recommends 100. Well, that's true. But Toyota is being rewarded for a lower maintenance schedule. The less maintenance they have on that schedule. The better the car looks to. To a potential buyer right. and to the folks that rate cars. Because the folks who rate cars say, well, this one doesn't require any mileage for 100,000 miles. Well, that's great. Now, you got to remember, too. Toyota, GM, Ford, Chrysler are in the business of selling new cars. That's right. Now, the odds are pretty good that the car will go 100,000 miles because most transmission problems occur around 125 to 135 somewhere uh-huh. if you never service it. And they know that it's going to make it out of that period. Now, if they're in the business of selling new cars and you have a major problem at, say, 135, that's sort of kind of good for them. Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> Plus, they, it they, takes they, car off the used car market. They, they've got you there. They're in the business of selling cars. There's mm-hmm. a whole brand new lot, you know, lot full of brand well, yeah, new vehicles. Big old factory there. there just stamps out new cars all day long. That's right. And so it's not that they're being malicious or mean or evil or conniving about it. It's just that they know that if you don't do anything at all, you're gonna be pretty happy because you haven't spent a lot of money. And if you have a major problem somewhere around 125 to 130, you're probably gonna go buy another car. Or some, right. a lot of people are. Some people don't get it fixed. But that's the way odds work. It's very very different, I guess, from some things. You can't think of it that, hey, if I do this, I'm never – it's not an absolute. That's right. It's, it's sort of like if you never brush your teeth, doesn't mean all your teeth are going to fall out. It just means the odds of having cavities and having gum disease is much higher. Same exact thing with your transmission. If you don't keep it clean, if you don't change the filter, the odds of having a problem are much, much higher. Now, transmissions generally are going to cost between two and $3,000. Depending when, on what application you got. That's right. Some a whole lot more. If you got one of these seven or eight speeds, I mean, you could be up to eight, $9,000 for a transmission. Right. It may have to be replaced. You may not even be able to repair it. So why would you not do everything you can to try to head off a problem? It's sort of like changing your oil. If you never change your engine oil or change it very infrequently, the car's not going to stop running tomorrow. But you know the odds are much higher of having a problem. So you know it's a lot better. Why would you not spend, say, $50 to change the oil when you know that an engine is going to be $6,000? That's right. It just doesn't make sense. It's just not a very good gamble. So that being said, I had another issue that I guess I was leading to in a roundabout fashion. And I think one reason why folks are so leery about maintenance is because there are those out there who try, I guess, to make a buck, try to push things on them that they don't need. Right. And they're so leery of that that they've moved 180 degrees the Just other away way. away from doing it all Yeah, together. I won't do anything at all. Right. Because I know these shysters are trying to put it to me, so better off I do nothing at all. And I can understand that sentiment, but there are also folks out there who are going to advise you properly. I've gotten, I guess, four phone calls in the last three weeks from people who were at a and I'm not going to mention a name, but it's an establishment here in Baton Rouge. They go in for, say, an oil change, and the little guy comes out with a chart, and he says, and a, look, a list. Yeah. yeah, you need to change your transmission fluid. You need to flush your transmission because your fluid is supposed to look like this, and he points at this bright red color, and yours looks like this. Now, well, as we both know, right. transmission fluid changes color. Right. Does not affect color, the performance of it color at Color is absolutely not an indication of fluid needing to be changed. Right. In fact, the four people I'm talking about who called me are folks we had serviced their transmission properly within the last six months. Yeah. So they had been freshly serviced. It and just, this is this 
clown trying to sell them a transmission flush. Which, which is probably going to do more damage well, yeah, than anything. Well, yeah, one of them, I know for sure, was a Ford with Mercon 5 synthetic fluid. I know he's fixing to run Dexron 3 Bulk, the cheapest junk he's got, in that flushing machine through it. That's right. You know what's going to happen to that transmission. Yeah, wrong fluid, not done properly. But that kind of stuff tends to dissuade people from even trying to get maintenance. Sure it does. So you got I, to you got to really be careful who you're using for your maintenance. Well, that's right. And you and know. what they're telling you, if someone suggests that you need something, first off, go to your owner's manual, see if it's listed in there. If it's not listed in there, ask them why are you suggesting this and listen to what they tell you. Then call someone else who you know and trust and ask them what they think about the situation. Yeah, and there again, you should be with the person you know and trust anyway. Well, that's true. And not at one of these little quick places or somebody trying to push something on you. I understand things happen. You can't get to your regular place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and a lot of people just don't have a regular place. There's a lot, lot, lot of folks out there. They just, they go wherever they can go and... It's just the, the nature of their life. They're uh-huh. kind of hectic, and they don't really plan ahead that much. So whenever something happens, when they need an oil change, light pops on, they just take it to the first place they can find. And those people are at particular mercy of wherever they go. Sure. Because they really don't have anybody specific that they use. Of course, we're, we generally see a totally different type of customer because most people who come to us are repeat customers. Correct. We have the same 15,000 people who have been coming to us for years and years and years and years, and we see them over and over and over again. So we're seeing a little different people. But there's lots of people out there who just don't have a regular shop, per se. They just kind of go wherever they can go. And, boy, they are really at the mercy of whomever is out there. And just to, to test and see what would happen, I got one of Elaine's friends. She needed an oil change on a car. So I'll tell you what, I'll pay for the oil change. I want you to take it over this place just see what they tell you. Uh-huh. And we'll check it when they get through and make sure they did the oil change right at least. Yeah. <laughs> And sure enough, she wheels up in there, and the guy comes out, oh, you need a, a coolant service. So she says, I kind of coached her. I said, well, ask him why. He takes his finger, rubs it inside the jug. See how dirty that is? Well, let me tell you, every jug in the world is going to be dirty if you oh, run yeah. your finger on the inside of it. We had changed the coolant in this one about six months ago. Right. So when she brought it back to the shop, I looked at pH was sitting at about eight and a half, which is perfect. Coolant's nice and clean and orange like it's supposed to be. Right. So, like I said, there are some dirt bags out there you got to be careful of. you got to really be careful. And then there's just a lot of folks, too, who just don't know. They just That's, don't know one way or the other. Somebody well, told them to sell this, and yeah, everybody it, comes through selling, and I'm going to give you a percentage of it, and... That's what they do. <laughs> that, that's it. You know, anything to make it. You know, a lot of them guys are working. They get a, a piece of what they do. Right. So they're trying to push everything they can to make the most money they can to basically survive, really. Yeah, and, in I, some and cases. I think probably some of them just don't even know they're even doing anything wrong. Yeah. They and don't and understand the process. They don't know what. They, they wouldn't know a transmission service if it walked up and bit them. <laughs> Flipping burgers at McDonald's last week, and this week they're selling transmission flushes at right. the, at the, the, <laughs> the, the local, the local, uh, the local quick change. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but so you just got to be real, 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 real careful. Read a lot. Like I said, if you read your owner's manual, that is going to give you a pretty good guide. But you got to remember some of those recommendations in your owner's manual are sort of blue sky estimates. Correct. That is pretty much what you have to do and hardly anybody falls under the normal schedule right so you really should be using your severe schedule for your maintenance well that's a very good point because if you read in the front of the manual where it defines normal service and defines severe service really normal service should be considered excellent service or ideal service and what they call severe is more close to normal with most folks for instance if you operate less than 10 miles per trip 
many car companies consider that severe service. Well, uh-huh. most people drive less than 10 miles per trip because they get in a car, they go to the grocery store, they shut it off. Well, it's two or three miles. They go to work. They may live five miles from home. They shut it off. It sits all day. They go to school three, four miles. They go to the beauty parlor or right. dog groomer or church or wherever. Most of the trips we make are far less than 10 miles. That's right. So that is severe service. And if you look in their severe service schedule, it's going to say change all over 3,000 miles, do this, do this, do that. Another thing is stop and go traffic. If the majority of your driving is stop and go traffic, that's considered severe service. Correct. And I can tell you, I'm, I'm looking, looking at, at it right I, now. I'm looking at I-12 <laughs> out there. <laughs> if you're in Baton Rouge, you're probably doing an awful lot of stop and go driving. Yeah. Where you're sitting idling for two or three minutes at a time at some of the red lights. If the ambient temperature is high, well, again, a couple South months out of the year, man, you, you're, yeah. you're over 100 degrees here. That's very high. So a lot of folks are falling under severe service without realizing it. And, again, if you read their definition of severe service and then go to the severe service schedule, you're going to find much different recommendations sure. than what you're going to find if you just look at the normal or I'm going to call it ideal okay. service schedule. But that's a good place to start out. Another good place is go to our website. There's tons and tons of information on maintenance in there. There's a whole category on nothing but maintenance, which describes what each thing is, how it's done, how it's done properly, how it's done improperly, some questions to ask whether you know whether you really need this or not. For instance, if you go to a transmission shop or a quick lube or whatever, and they say you need a transmission service, first question, okay, why do I need a transmission service? If they say it's because your fluid is dark, they probably don't know what the devil is that they're talking about. That's right. Because transmission fluid runs anything from pink to dark purple right out of the bottle, and every bit of it gets dark in use. Sure. sure. By the time you put it in there in six months, it's going to turn dark. It's going to be almost a brown color. If it's not black and it's not burned. And you can smell a burned Right. You fluid. can smell a burned fluid. Right. It's not really a problem. Another thing is engine oil. You can't possibly look at engine oil and see how dirty it is because oil is going to discolor different amounts depending on the additives in it. Right. In fact, the better oil you use, probably the dirtier it's going to appear because it has more detergents cleaning the engine. Cleaning more up. Yeah. One of the first things you notice when you put synthetic oil in the engine, it turns black real fast. Well, that's because it's cleaning it up good. That's what you want. I want the oil to be dirty because I don't want the engine to be dirty. That's (laughs) that's the whole point of draining the oil out. That's right. Changing oil. That's exactly right. It picks up the trash and drains it out. You can start over with fresh oil. That's why you do it every 3,000 miles. Well, that's right. Get all those contaminants and sludge and build up and what have you out of there. Another thing is brake fluid. You cannot look at brake fluid and tell if it's contaminated. I've seen brake fluid punch the safety seal on the right. top and pour it out one bottle's clear mm-hmm. and the next one's just as dark as you can yeah be. almost brown yeah just it's different just kind of dyes in it however it's made japanese brake fluid for whatever reason they don't use it's, a lot of dye in it no it's clear i've seen it almost five years old still look like drinking water just yeah. as clear as it can be but contaminated as a devil full, yeah. full of moisture just totally contaminated but almost clear well that's its job that's right and i've seen other fluids that will be real dark you change it three weeks later it's dark, dark as it again. can be but it's still fine you can test it and it's still fine that's right it has no moisture content at all so color of the fluid is not a reason for changing one of the things i always tell folks when they come in the shop you will look at say their transmission and we try to figure out if it's been serviced or not and you can see the pan hasn't been off it's been a hundred thousand miles and i'll never just say hey you need to service your transmission rather i say has the transmission been serviced well, no. Okay, well, if it has not been serviced, I would recommend you change it 
because of the miles. You've uh-huh. got a 100,000 miles on this unit or 50,000 miles or whatever that is. That's the reason I recommend changing it. Correct. And obviously you don't say you've got to do it because you don't have to do anything. You right. You can drive and, just like it is. And if you're not sure, go back and pull your receipts. That's right. Keep all your re- all your maintenance receipts or your records. Mm-hmm. Keep those and even get a expandable folder and keep them filed per item even right and that way you'll know wait a minute i had this done six months ago well, that's right you can flip through there and find it and of course the better shops are gonna do that for you we correct keep, we keep a file and every customer comes in so i can tell you everything's been done on your car but i guess if it comes to a point where you just don't know let's say you bought the car uh-huh. and it had fifty thousand miles on it when you bought it now it's got a hundred and you don't know if the guy changed it or not well my Advice would be to err towards the side of caution. Sure. Because a transmission service is probably $120 to $200, depending on the fluid, the filter, what kind of car it is, and so right. on so on as that. But a transmission is two to $3,000. So if I've got to just kind of make a guess or err one way or the other, I just soon say, well, I can go ahead and risk this little bit of money. I just don't want to risk that whole lot of money. Well, the thing about it, too, when you drop that pan, you will be able to look in that pan and see has this transmission been serviced well, yeah. lately? Especially on a Ford. The first service, uh-huh. they've got a, a little plastic plug that goes right. in the... Um, little Ford mystery plug. Right. It goes in the uh, filler tube right. for them to ship it. Mm-hmm. But when they when they put it in the car, they just shove the dipstick in, dipstick in it. The plug falls in the pan, yeah. and it just stays there. Right. It's not hurting anything. Yeah, just leave it in there. You drop the pan, first thing you see is that plug in there. You, you know, know it hadn't new, been serviced. unit hadn't been serviced. Right. And I get an email, I don't know, every, I guess about once every two or three months, guy says, where does this part go? <laughs> <laughs> the Ford mystery part. There you go. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alpazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. Of course, that is area code 225. You go ahead and give us a call. We'll put you right up at the straight at the top of the list. And we've got John online. Good morning, John. Yeah, good morning, Louis and Brian. Yes, good sir. morning, sir. Question regarding a little incident yesterday at one of the shopping centers, you know, the mall, the uh-huh. waiting for my folks. And I <laughs> went to start the uh, the car. It's a Lexus, 2006 Lexus RX330. Uh-huh. has an 84-month Lexus battery, uh-huh. and we've got a year and a half on it. But it wouldn't start, okay? <laughs> now, I don't know whether I accidentally left the lights on. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, would, would that drain the Well, battery? let me ask you, when it wouldn't start, you turn the key, what would it do? Nothing. Just, just did. It, it wouldn't even turn over, yeah. Okay, and what did you do to get it started? Okay, we got security. They, they're very nice, came over uh-huh. and gave us a boost. Okay, it started, and started right up. 
Yeah, it sounds it's- like the battery. John, I would say I would probably start out by load testing the battery, even though okay. it's fairly new, just yep. because batteries do sometimes fail, sort of like human beings. So, you know, yep. some, some of them die at 30 <laughs> years old. shouldn't, but they do. Right. Uh, another thing is I would check the alternator to make sure it's putting out good. Exactly. Okay. Because uh, what you can have, let's say the alternator is supposed to put out 105 amps, and if one diode goes out, it may only be producing, say, 75 amps. Uh-huh. Now, under normal driving conditions, that can kind of sort of keep up. But let's say you've got your headlights on and your air conditioning working and so on. Well, now it's discharging. So that the further you drive, the weaker the battery gets. Hmm. So it's already in a weakened state. Now, let's say you sit there in the shopping center with maybe the radio on or whatever. That no, just no. draws yeah. it down the rest of the way. So okay. there's lots of little things like that that can occur. It would start out by testing the battery and then testing the electrical system. Finally, I would test for a parasitic draw, which is something that stays on that shouldn't stay on. Gotcha. When you turn the key off, some things should go off, like the computers and all that stuff should power down. Uh-huh. But sometimes, for whatever reason, they don't, and they keep discharging the battery. If it's a real good battery, it may not die right away. It just keeps getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and then before you know yep. it, you get a little cool snap or something, and wham, then it's going to go down. Uh, okay. Well, this morning it started right up again, mm-hmm. okay? And we were, we were debating whether to take it to the game or not. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I might leave that one at home. Yeah, I probably well, would leave it at home and take another <laughs> oh, one. Boy. Unless you've got one of those jumpers, one of those battery jumpers that can start you if you need to. No, I, I do not. Because uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those LSU parking lots <laughs> trying no, to get oh, yeah. help. <laughs> well, we, we, we have a parking reservation for all that stuff. Yeah. So, well, you oh, know, you know the guys around you? Mm, no. No? <laughs> Well, it's just going to be kind of real inconvenient if the yeah. car doesn't start. Exactly. And I think I would probably take another car. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you had to go and park at one of the downtown places and take the bus in, might even be better, you know, just right. than be stranded out there. <laughs> there you go. All righty. Well, look, thank you so much. Okay, Lord, John. I'm going to call you for an appointment. We need an oil change, too. Okay. Okay, great. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Good weekend. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the automotive eye? We'd love to have you. Of course, if you are on your way to the LSU football game, you may not want to go down I-12. I was going to say, you, you will be sitting in traffic. <laughs> yeah, it's just bumper to bumper. looks like a parking lot out there. So you might want to find an alternative route. Yep, that's for sure. If you're coming from Auburn and you don't know Baton Rouge very well. You're kind of stuck. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hometown advantage. Yeah, man, I guarantee. At least you know where you're going. Huh? Yeah, you know how to skirt around it. That's right. Batteries are one of those kind of uh, – peculiar animals i guess and as the weather starts to cool off you're going to see more and more and more battery issues that's right and what has happened is that this has been going on all year long but a battery being a chemical reaction if you remember the old days in chemistry anytime you heat a chemical reaction up you're going to speed it up Uh make it more efficient batteries are basically optimized for about 80 degrees that's what they're built to operate is at 80 degrees right when you have underhood temperatures of 115 to 120 degrees, that reaction is really cooking, and it is using that battery up. Oh, yeah. Let's say a battery is only operating at 60% efficiency, but it's being sped up 40% by the high ambient temperature. Well, it's operating okay during the summer, but it's Correct. using that battery up real fast. Well, the first cool day, when it drops to 80, now it's down to its 60% efficiency. As temperature drops, that reaction slows down, and efficiency drops way, way, way down. Uh-huh. For instance, a 100% red-hot battery, brand-new battery fully charged, at 32 degrees can only produce 50% of its output. Really? Yes. So 
cold really, really delivers the problem. The heat sort of causes the problem. It tends to use up the battery. It's really putting a lot, a lot of stress on it. A lot of times the plates are starting to sulfate. Maybe it's discharged. Maybe you have an alternator that's a little bit weak. And you're starting to accrue all these battery problems. Well, they're going to show up the first time on the first cold day. And, of course, we call a cold day down here 30 degrees. <laughs> Some of the folks in our listening region, 30 below zero is close to the cold. Right. But don't be surprised except, and, and I'm sure lots of folks, especially those who live in the colder regions, why is it your battery always seems to die on the first cold day? <laughs> yeah. And, and batteries die in several different ways. That's right. Had one come in that night, turn it off, mm-hmm. running fine, everything was working, get it next morning, stone dead. That's right. Just, just. I, I've seen them the go, sudden drop dead. Yeah, seen them go weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it'll start cranking real slow. Mm-hmm. I've seen them go that way, all kind of ways. I have seen batteries that actually would crank the car just fine, but cause problems that you wouldn't even imagine was the battery. That's right, because the voltage is low. Maybe it loses one cell, and basically each cell in the battery is approximately two volts. Uh-huh. I think it's one point eight nine or something like that volts, but Let's say you lose one cell or partially lose one cell. For instance, the the electrolyte gets low in a cell and half of the plate is sulfated. Well, you drop down, say, one and a half volts on that one cell. So now instead of 12 volts, you got 10 and a half volts. Right. And 10 it, and a half volts will crank that car right. just it fine. It sure will. That starter will spin over, so you'll never really know that you even have a problem. But then you start to see little weird stuff. Like, for instance, the heater starts blowing when you turn the air conditioner on. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what's that about? (laughs) (laughs) A car computer needs 12 volts to operate properly. That is its base voltage. That's right. And it refers everything back to the base voltage. Mm -hmm. And if the base voltage is low, it doesn't know it, and it's still trying to refer it back to the the base voltage. Right. And it screws it up just all kinds of ways. The newer cars, what they've actually done, which is a big improvement, there is a... Most of your actuators and stuff like that operate on 5 volts. Uh-huh. But most of them also have a 12-volt reference line. Now, what it does is that when you start the car, when you crank it up, it looks at that 12-volt line and says, okay, we have got 12 and a half volts. So that's wide open. It divides that voltage by whatever number, 255. Uh-huh. Then it assigns what they call counts. Now, it's looking at a 5-volt reference. It knows all the way over is going to be... Five volts. That'll be 255 counts. Correct. Half of that's going to be halfway, uh-huh. 127, whatever it is. And the reason it does that is if the system's voltage is a little low, it can still allow for it. It's relearning every time you start the car. Now, what happens is that if you start the car and the battery voltage is, say, 12 volts, but then it starts to go down, it's not going to relearn that. So now when it's looking for a midpoint, it's actually skewed because the voltage is off from where it originally learned it. So you start seeing things like, for instance, you hit your air conditioner, it blows heat. Uh And you turn it off, you turn it back on, and then it starts working again. Right. And that we had a Ford truck come in, had that exact problem. Guy had spent about $1,000 on underdash work on this truck and air conditioning work. Couldn't find out, we changed the battery, and it fixed it. (laughs) (laughs) And it was cranking just fine. Yeah. So you just can't necessarily say, in the old days, you'd say, oh, it's cranking good, battery's okay. Or right. horn blows, the battery's okay. No, 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 no. Not no more. No, that, that, that voltage is so critical. I know I've seen some 6-liter diesels and some 7.3s, two batteries on it. The batteries will go down. Sounds like it's cranking at normal speed, but it's not, and the engine won't start. Really? 
just cranks, 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 but it will not start because it has to hit a certain RPM for that engine to fire off. Uh-huh. And it just doesn't achieve that RPM. That's cool. Yeah, That's, <laughs> yeah it, is. it is. And unless you really test it, you just, right. you just don't know. Hey, we're going to take one last quick little break. Ron, hold on. You'll be straight up after the break. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues. Uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll Check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got my bleed tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? That's area code 225. And we've got Ron on the line. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Louis. How are you doing? Doing great, sir. Since the topic of the discussion has been battered this morning, I just mm-hmm. recently had a problem. I got a uh, two, uh, 2007 F-150 pickup uh-huh. truck. It's a four-door. Yes, sir. And... Uh, I had driven over to uh, to someone's house mm-hmm. and stayed about an hour, and I got ready to get back in, started to crank it up, and it acted like it wanted to turn over and then shut completely down. Nothing. I mean, nothing. The battery went completely out. I tried to get uh, that person to jump me off. Uh-huh. We did everything according to the book as far as jumping off. Yes, sir. But it just would not jump off. Okay. So then I went and bought a new battery, uh-huh. and that was the original battery in the vehicle. Yes, sir. I put it in, and it's working fine. The only thing that bothered me was the radio didn't work, and I found I'd blown a fuse there. Mm-hmm. And the fuse to the radio is working. Mm-hmm. The other thing was, is during the time that we were trying to jump it off, or either right previous, yes, sir. I detected a small, uh, a strong electrical smell behind that rear seat, or it mm-hmm. seemed to be coming from that area. Yes, sir. And I heard a click noise. It click, 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 like that. You know. You know. For a while. I'm, I'm wondering, Ron, if that thing didn't somehow go into anti-theft mode. Because you know, you've got a theft control system on that vehicle. If it arms, it will sometimes disarm the starter. And it'll feel like a dead battery on some cars. I don't know exactly how that one works. Some of them will start and die, start and die. Some of them just disarms the starter. Uh-huh. Because, and see, when you disconnect the battery and re connected a new battery, then you re-energize the system. You had booted up again, so it might have gone out. That kind of sort of sounds like what you might be talking about. Okay. If you still got your old battery. No, I, I left it. Left it. Yes, sir. Yeah. I was going to say, you might just have that battery tested, and if it was dead, then that's great. But if it wasn't, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't time for a new battery anyway, because if it was the original battery, it's old. It needed changing regardless. You didn't hurt yourself any there. Right. But I'm just worried about it possibly recurring. Yeah, what I did, I did have it checked before. 
four by the new one. Uh-huh. And the guy did. He did not indicate that it was completely dead. Yes, sir. It was weak, and it could have been weak from it was starting to get old. I yes, mean, sir. Well, and see. But, you know, I, I felt like it was time to go ahead and buy one anyway. Well, so. yeah, I agree with you. I think it's time for a battery regardless. I would just have to keep an eye on it. If it does it again, what you may want to do is bring it in, have it check, and see if there is a theft deterrent code because that will generally set a code. Okay. In the body control module, and you'll be able to tell it'll have a code for, for setting that. What happens sometimes is a little device around the lock cylinder, like a little sensor, and when that thing goes bad, it won't see the key turning, and it thinks the truck's being stolen, it can shut it down. Okay. And it'll be like a dead battery in some vehicles. And I noticed last night, though, when I drove in, after I'd stopped, uh-huh. turned the key off, uh-huh. I heard something that seemed like a, you know, how your OCD. Yes, sir. And his truck. Yes, sir. That's probably the actuators in the. Do you have rear air in it or rear yes. heat? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's probably it's the actuator. Rear, it blows to the back. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the actuator on that back heater core is actually ha- trying to home in because it lost voltage. It'll click, 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 just like a CD player. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I noticed, if, if you have time here, uh-huh, sure, is uh, I noticed I have on the truck there. I have like my uh, miles per gallon gauge. Yes, sir. So, and also, uh, how many miles you're supposed to get until you're empty? Yes, sir. And I noticed that uh, the uh, both of them are reading higher than what they used to. Well, yeah, and that's because the memory was cleared out when you disconnected the battery, so it's going to start learning from that point, whereas before it was averaging over a long, long, long period of time. Okay. So, you see, you had a lot of city driving and highway driving. Well, when you cleared that out, it went to zero, and then it relearns from that point on. So if you did, like, some highway driving or you just were easier on the throttle, then the reading's right. going to come up. Yeah. I, I, and I it, eventually they'll average back out. Right. I'd keep an eye on it and see. It, it sounds, and you see, it, too, it could have been that old battery was weak, and that in itself may have set the theft system. Yeah. A weak battery can set a theft system. I think I may have done it myself, though. It was dark, and I was trying to get in the truck, you know. So. Yeah, that's possible. That's, that's, key, key that, bad, you know. that's totally possible. Right. All Thank you, Lewis. Okay, Appreciate Ron. It. Thank you, man. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Bobby on the line. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, Lewis, how are you doing? Doing great, sir. Pretty good. A question on uh, Kent. How can you ad- can you adequately check a battery with a voltmeter? I don't have a load meter in. Only that, yes, it is dead. You know, if you check it okay. and it is below 10.5 volts, then yes, it is dead. But no, you okay. can't check a good battery or you can't check a marginal battery. That's, you okay. have to load it. To, to see because it can put out 12 and a half, 13 volts, and as soon as the load hits it, I know we test them a lot of times, and it tests for, what, 30 seconds or more? Oh, at least. Yeah, 30 it, to a got, minute. It actually makes two tests in That's the right. same pattern. And what it'll do, you'll see the reading might be holding right at 12 and a half volts. On the second test, about halfway through, it'll drop down to 10 and a half volts. So okay. yeah, you, you got to have – actually, you have some pretty sophisticated equipment to test one properly. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to mess with that. <laughs> I use uh, two things. I use the ADCO rule, 36 yeah. months is it. That's it. Another thing. By the way, Brian, I meant to tell you hello to I'm sorry. That's quite all right, <laughs> sir. Lewis, one final thing. Sure. Please tell these guys one more time that I work with, when the battery goes dead and it's it's had two years of service and it goes dead overnight, don't try to redo it. Just get a new yeah, battery. That's right. Well, batteries are so cheap, man. I mean, right. it just doesn't well, make sense. They're cheap in, in reference to what problems they're going to cause and mm-hmm. how much inconvenience you're going to be out. Right, yeah, it's worth the eighty to a hundred bucks. Yeah, at most to, to get a battery. Because yeah, if you got to have it towed, that's eighty bucks. Yeah, right, right there. there. Yeah, I was reading the other day. It said the life expectancy of a battery across the United States is thirty-eight months and slightly less in the South. Yeah, hot. Oh, one other thing, my Honda's got uh, my Honda Odyssey's got mm-hmm. power doors, and that thing just eats batteries up. Oh, yeah. Should I should I top that battery off every now and then with a charger? Well, 
That's a good question. And really, if you don't have one of those new computerized chargers, you can actually do more harm than good by overcharging it. But you can buy those things now for, I don't know, 20 25 bucks, and they will sense the charge of the battery and then charge in accordance with the amount of charge you've got in there. So some, one of those wouldn't hurt. Some of them solar power, which is right. nice because there's no you don't drive the extension car card out or any of that. You know, you just lay the, the panel out in the sun, mm-hmm. and it takes care of the rest. That's right. Those are great. The battery charger I got is like me, old style. <laughs> yeah. Just, you, know, you turn it on. Yeah, there you go. I got one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you guys have a great right, day. Bye. Thank great you. Show. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. I see how many he's called. I'll tell you, every line lit up now. That's it. <laughs> Let's see. I mean, we catch. We've got David on the line. Good morning, David. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, good to hear your show again. Thanks, sir. Thank you. I know you're proponents of keeping with the same brand of oil yes, sir. for oil changes, mm-hmm. but it appears that Superflow is going away. What yes, sir. I do? Well, it's being replaced by mobile. What Exxon Mobil is doing, they figured out that, hey, we're just competing with ourselves here. So eventually, all of the oil is going to be mobile, and all of the gas is going to be Exxon. And in the future, you're not going to see a mobile gas station. You're not going to see Exxon oil. And I don't know how long the timeline is on that, but that's what it's going to eventually do. So if you go to, like, the mobile clean, it's going to be the same as the Exxon Superflow. Okay. Appreciate it. All righty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Right. He's either saying we got one minute or he's, he's, or he's real mad at yeah, me. One or the other. One or two, huh? <laughs> we will not expound on that. There you go. <laughs> Yo, we were just kind of recapping on batteries and all, but yeah, getting rid of a battery at three years, you're not doing yourself any no, any harm no, at all. No injustice at all. Yeah, just go ahead and get rid of it, get your new in there, and avoid all the heartaches. So. That's it. That's it. Hey, squandered another perfectly good hour. I think we was about time to get on out of here. Yep, they're giving us the boot. That's right. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. Like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and all during the week and whenever you can. And That's right. Go on iTunes and rate us. That's right. However you see fit. Yeah. Well, hopefully give us a good rating. <laughs> <laughs> but if not, just give us the one that you <laughs> There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.